Well, here we are again, another episode of Giblets Gazette, and I am particularly excited this weekend, Julian, because um, mm. it, it's an international institution. It's been going for more than half a century. I know you're excited. I'm particularly excited. It's Eurovision 2023. It, it's an exciting time, and I watched a bit of it this morning, the semi-finals, and great to see Voyager, the, the synth metal band from Perth, get through with their lead singer. I love his bio. Um, he's a lawyer by day and a rock singer by night. Yeah. Who doesn't behave like that? <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we're through. We're through to the final on Sunday morning, our time. And it is an institution. And through the wonders of modern technology, we should point out to the listener that here I am back in Australia, but you're actually in Europe, but you've gone to the wrong country. I've gone Eurovision. to the wrong country. I mean, people are going to say, for a bloke who loves Eurovision, uh, you've travelled to the other side of the world, you'd actually think you'd get to the right country. Uh, and it would have been a lot easier for me to get to Liverpool, but no, here I am in Hungary. But uh, yeah, Julian, you mentioned um, you mentioned Australia and uh, getting through to the final. What a great history we have, and how super excited are you and I to actually have someone on the show that has some talent when it comes to singing? Because uh, you and I, uh, sadly, were left behind. It's cruel, really, isn't it? It's cruel how some people. It's terribly cruel. And I'm still I'm still aggrieved by it, but anyway, life has to go on, Ross. It does, but we have on uh, the Giblets Gazette today Isaiah Firebrace, who, of course, um, well, we all loved him in 2017 when he represented Australia in Eurovision. He'd won X Factor the year before, and here he is with the Giblets. Hey, Isaiah, how are you, mate? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Well, look, we're super, super excited. Are you super excited about Eurovision? Do you, do you, because you've been there, do you have a, like a special love for it? Yeah, I, I'm always uh, following. I, I still do follow a lot of artists, you know, that have been on the show and I like to keep up to date with what's going on the Redbirds. And actually, one of my good friends is representing Cyprus. Ah. Um, uh, he's actually uh, an Australian guy, Andrew, Andrew, um, Andrew Lambrow. So I've been up to date with it, yes, and I'm, I'm just trying to keep track of things that's going on. And, you know, I'm glad that Voyager is, has made it to the grand final. Very so, proud of those guys. That's yeah, awesome. Just on Andrew, so was he poached by Cyprus? Uh, do you know, Isaiah, is there a bit of a scandal you can tell us about? How did he sneak in to become the, the Cypriot representative? Got, he's like family are from Cyprus. Um, and I think he's got um, like his roots and his family are, are from there. Yeah. Um, so I think like a few people have done that in the past where they represent another country that they don't actually live in. Um, but yeah, no, like he's, he's a great singer. I don't have any scandals with you. I'm sorry. That's a great option for Australians. I was going to say yeah. that's a great option for Australians. We we like to have a backup plan, don't we? <laughs> yes. So if you know Voyager doesn't go all that well, or Andrew doesn't go, we've got Plan B to go to yeah. where we can celebrate. So yeah, even well, if he does really well, Andrew, even though he's there for Cyprus, he'll be described back here as Australia's own. Yeah, well, that's the same that was on my year. Um, Anya Nissen, who was representing, was it? I think Denmark. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> So like kind of the same story. So like it's it's good to see honestly like Aussie acts yeah. um, unofficially like just be out there and and showing their talent. 
Yeah, Julian, can you just do a quick, some quick research and find out whether Andrew got through to the grand final? I hope he did, because then we have two. I, I think I'll have a look. I think he did, actually, yes. Um, He's got a great it, 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 It's always a funny thing. People always, um, Isaiah, say, what's Australia doing in Eurovision? Why are we over there? But it's got an enormous following in this part of the world, thanks mainly to SBS and, and the way that they've supported Eurovision over the years. Um, I do believe that the contract for Australia to be a part of Eurovision expires after this one in Liverpool. Hopefully that will get renewed. But when you went over and you went to Ukraine for your appearance mm. in Eurovision, were people saying to you, did some question, why is Australia here? Yes. Yes. Like a lot of questions. And, you know, a lot of them were in a funny way. And then a lot of them were kind of aimed in a more serious way. Um, but you know, like I, at the time I was 17. So I was like such a young kid and I just kind of like didn't really have a lot of the <laughs> answers for a lot of people. I was just kind of like, well, I'm only 17 and I've just got chosen to, you know what I mean? Very innocent and just saying, yeah. like, well, I've only just got chosen to come here. So I don't really know, but, um, but looking back, yeah, like definitely a lot of people will ask a lot of questions about it. And, you know, it is, I think the European, some, some of the European people, you know, really want to take ownership of the Eurovision, you know, and really yeah. just have it for themselves, rightfully so. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? But, it's true that Australia has had this culture with it and, you know, it's a very special opportunity to be accepted into it because it really is, you know, only for European countries. So to actually be accepted to it, it's, it's a great honour. And yeah. if it's coming to an end, well, it's kind of sad because I, I always loved to see who was getting chosen next to do it and it was always that exciting kind yeah. of thing to see who was going to do it. But I think if it's coming to an end, I think everyone that's born has represented well. And yeah, I don't yeah, think really, I think I, everyone's had a lot of fun. So. I don't think it will because they love the Australian larrikinism, Isaiah and Julian. Yeah, I think it, it, bring, it brings it brings the course a it different does. Yeah. edge thing to it. And it makes, you know, there's, there's a lot of, not drama that comes with it, but, you know, it just brings a talking point, I think, to the show and um, brings a little bit more of a, you know, diverse yeah. kind of, crowd as well which is cool yeah and if if they do we'll just take them to the uh european court of human rights or something like that there'll be somewhere where we can protest i'm sure I, i'm gonna put <laughs> a, i'm gonna put a theory out there lads uh for how we got okay. there in the first place do you think that when they're sending out the invites uh all those years ago that somebody started typing in austria and of course yeah uh, google translate or or the you know predictive text Auto-correct. Yeah. Auto-corrected it to Australia, and then when they realised the error of their ways, it was too late because we'd already been invited and we'd said yes. And so it would be an incredibly international embarrassment if they turned around and said, sorry, <laughs> we met Austria, but <laughs> so stay it away. Started, it would have started. Yeah. yeah. Um, could have could have been a big major diplomatic slash incident type situation. I still reckon there's a lot of people who still think that we are Austria. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure the Americans do. Oh, yeah. Nestled next to Switzerland, yeah. Australia. I um, have seen a few like interviews online of like Australian celebrities in America. Yeah, and they get confused with with the accent, and they they do think. They're saying Austria, so 
Sorry. I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, like I, I know there was a whole thing with Blink TV um, being the uh, production production company and stuff yeah. for like the show and stuff, but actually getting into it like the very first time, like I don't really understand. I don't really know like what happened like logistically and what was talked about because I know that yeah. Jess went and did like a just it, like a, now a guest performance yeah, yeah. yeah just now boy. just like a guest performance um but i don't know did eurovision um seek that out or did they say hey let's do th-? you know what i mean i don't know who kind of it's re- a, well, you know, I, yeah i don't know well, who really started the idea was it eurovision or was it australia saying hey or, i think or, i think about a bit of, a bit of both because they realized the success that it has over here and just the overwhelming you know drawing power it has for tv on an early sunday morning in australia approaching winter so you know it's just yeah it's one of those fabulous things you, as i mentioned before you went to ukraine for your performance and yeah Sadly, Ukraine should have been hosting this one, and the, the UK finished second last time round, so they've got it. Um, yeah. What was Ukraine like for you, and what do you think when you see it now? Well, obviously, being a young kid, also back then, like I said, um, and it was like my first time to Europe as well. This was my first time in Europe. It was an amazing experience. It really was. Um, being so young and just experiencing this new place and this new culture and just thinking, I'm, you know, being, I'm so far away from home. And it was definitely a great experience. And being in the Ukraine was, was so good. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to enjoy it that much because it's a, you know, when I think of Europe, I thought of, you know, oh, Paris or Italy, <laughs> but I never thought of like Ukraine. Yep. So when I was there, I, I kind of, you know, I adjusted and I got used to it and it was great. Like it was just a really nice, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Classic kind of European kind of feel in, yeah. in that city and the people were great and we made friends. We made, we made so many friends there as well, like with our team and we had so many, you know, volunteers helping us in the, in our teams and getting us to and from the venue. And yeah, it was, it was great. It was a great time there. And then when I started seeing all this stuff on, on the news, like it was, it was regardless of being there or not, just seeing something like that on the news in this day and age is really hard to believe anyway. Mm. Mm. So there was that part of it, but then there was also me thinking like, wait, no, I've been there. Like we've, I've worked there. We made friends there. We went out for dinner every night there. And yeah, it, it's just something that is, is hard to, it's hard to believe. That's, that's the thing. Like the, the prospect of war like happening is yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Mm. And to think that. Well, especially if maybe, you realize eh, that, 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 yeah. that personal connection and you, as you say, you met people there, you know, it's, it's, yeah. It's hard not to sit there some days and when you see the pictures on the TV and think, are my friends okay? Uh, you know, is, is, is this going to be, you know, the end of it thing for them? You know, it's a tough, yeah. tough, tough thing to watch. Yeah, I had, I was in contact with someone that I met online and he was like um, Snapchatting me that he was like in a bunker with his family. And I'm mm. just like, what the... Yeah. It was just very, just crazy, hard, hard to believe, you know. Like you see these images on TV, and it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. Just very hard to believe. Now okay. this year, this sorry, Ross, this this year, Revision has denied permission to Volodymyr Zelensky 
the Ukrainian president to address Eurovision in Liverpool, even though Ukraine should have been hosting it, because they said it's not a political event, it's a musical event. Okay. And it, it, it's a tremendous musical event, and it's it's about joy and it's about celebration, and it's almost a distraction, really, from those sorts of things, isn't it? It is, but then there's also been a lot of songs that have been in Eurovision that have been political yeah. as well. So, I mean, they can kind of steer away from... I guess having someone there talk about something so serious and I guess they just want it to be positive. But I mean, Eurovision has, right, has shown that, you know, songs can be political and people say things in their songs. So maybe, I don't know, like they shouldn't just, they shouldn't completely shut the president. Did you say out the prime minister? Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't completely shut it out. At least, you know, like send a, a, a crossover video or something at least or do something like, you know, that shows a bit of respect. Well, they showed, mm. I mean, he he had a video to dress, or maybe even he was live at Glastonbury last year, which is like one of the biggest music festivals on the planet. Uh, and it went over really, really well. So maybe you're right, Isaiah, a, a, a pre-recorded message might have been nice or something. But uh, Yeah, like, I don't know if maybe they're worried about him being there and then bringing, yeah. you know, stuff to Liverpool just because of his, him being there. I don't know, but... You know, you've got to, you've got to let people be compassionate and, and show yeah. that kind of respect. And and like I said, and Eurovision has been political in the past. Like there's so many <laughs> songs and things that people go in there and mm. sing about, you know, their country and, and freedom and stuff, which is great. Mm. So yeah. let's let's keep that that kind of thing. Yeah. What, now, what, how, what did it do for you? Just going to back announce here, Julian. Good a good podcast always. Reminds oh. me of who the guests are, and, and uh, so how, how come we're doing it? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, you're listening to the Giblets Gazette, and our very special guest today on it, on this uh, Eurovision special is Isaiah Firebrace, who uh, finished ninth, top ten finish, Isaiah, back in uh, 2017, <laughs> and they can never take that away from you, my friend. What did it do for your career? Oh, it it did it did quite a lot. Um, just getting exposed to like a new audience and you know getting in front of a millions of different people you know like i had in terms of music success you know my songs were streaming really well after that they were charting in in different countries um on the back of it it really kick-started my music like my music success because my original single that i had out from x factor was already doing really well um, and because of this, and then Lambert, my, my coach actually posted about the song, like before Eurovision. And then it was like number one in Finland just because of him and his fan base. So I already had this interest, I guess, a little bit in Europe building over my X Factor stuff and, and with Adam Lambert. And so when I actually got on Eurovision, people, I guess, kind of click. I was like, oh, that's him. So it, yeah, it kind of built. Basically, it built this massive like machine behind my behind my music, and I was able to see and perform, you know, in Europe and and meet a lot a lot of people and fans across Europe and just back in Australia, you know, like it opened up so many more opportunities. My name got out there even more, you know, got got a lot more gigs and a lot more chances to, to do a lot more things. So yeah. definitely like upped my kind of level, I guess, in in the yeah. industry, which was. 
which was cool. Mm-hmm. But like, it's crazy because I'm a little, I'm a young kid back then, right? So I actually mm-hmm. don't really know what's going on. Yeah, there's <laughs> not many people who can world walk world. around saying, "Oh, big in Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, in Finland, so, number one in Finland, in Finland." <laughs> yeah. So, but do you know what I mean? Like, I was yeah. such a kid. Yeah. Like, even the back of X Factor and getting into the music industry, I was just such a kid. Now, like, I'm turning 24 this year. And I'm looking back on all these things and I like doing these podcasts and interviews where I talk about my experience because now I can talk from a much more mature place where, yeah. where not only do I understand myself, but I have understand my experience a bit more. What a the pity, good what and a, the bad. What a pity, Isaiah, that uh, you can't discuss it today with two more mature hosts. But anyway, uh, thank you for being on with us. <laughs> Mate, take us um, back there. Take, take us back to then. Take us back to, to, to 2017. What's your, one abiding memory from your experience. You know, this is, as you said, you were 17. You turn up at this big phenomenal event, um, with people from all over Europe, all itching to make the final and to, to win. What do you remember about it? Um, even though it, it, it literally was a bit of a blur because my life honestly was just tipped on its head like just a few months back um uh, i just i just remember just all, always being just so excited like as soon as i saw the stage for my first for my first rehearsal and just the room and just the whole production behind it that was one of the first memories where i just went wow like and then seeing my first rehearsal back and seeing it brought to life with all of the rehearsals we've done back in Australia. I think that was definitely a time where I was like, it hit me like, wow, this is huge. Hmm. Um, and also, you know what? The, the time, like the count, this is the biggest one. The countdown before you actually go live, you've got to, you're on stage, just everyone's quick, you know, quick, like get the stage changed, get on, get on, find your mark. It happens in like 30 seconds, right? Between the, between the act and like you're on stage and you've got your earpiece and you can just hear the countdown. And I just remember, holy beep, like this is actually going to happen in like three seconds. Then your song just starts and you're just on. So like just that moment right before you're live, I'll never forget it. At you, Eurovision. You, you start Cause I'm like, you can't, you start sweating yeah. in places that you never knew you could sweat in. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it is very, it is very nerve wracking. It really is. Yeah. For me back then, it was, it was very nerve wracking, but yeah, just that the beauty, the beauty of live TV, right? Like once you're on, you're on. So what, what do you thinking, think about when you're performing? When that, that's happened to you, you hear your song start, you're out there, you've got to start singing. Yeah. I mean, what do you focus on? What do you think about when oh you're doing gosh, it? There was so much. To, in that particular performance, there was a lot to focus on. There were camera points that I had to hit, like, on the exact time in the song, and I had to be there and this time and this time. And and I was walking on this, like, lazy Susan, like, thing. Like, I, I, felt, I, felt, I, I felt like a piece of gravy. Like, I had to walk on this. I, I had to walk on this rotating circular stage at the same time while I'm singing and finding my camera point and stuff and trying oh. not to trip over my feet and, and remember the words and, and remember the word like it was actually a lot in that particular performance that I had to focus on and it was very overwhelming I wish that I could have just like stood there or, or been on a balcony or something because yeah. that was very um 
overwhelming and I feel like it kind of took away from my performance a little bit. I wasn't really? able to focus properly. Yeah, I really think so. I think so. Um, so. So when you finished the song, Isaiah, did you think I've nailed that or did you think, oh, no, I've, I've, I've missed an opportunity? No, I think I think I could have done way better. I really thought that I could have done a lot better. Um, but, like, at the time when I was young, I was really beating myself up. And I was like, oh, but now I look back and I'm like, honestly, like, I, I'm singing now way better than, like, I'm, sing, I'm singing now how I wished I could have sang back then. You know, it was only just yeah, mate, you're time 17. and maturity. You're 17 and wow. Yeah, so I don't, I don't beat myself up for it, but... um. Yeah, I mean, I could have, I feel like I could have better. Yeah, but isn't it funny? I mean, on the other side of the world, we were all watching and we, we were so proud and we thought, wow, we've nailed it. We've, Australia's nailed it. And and here we are in this huge song competition, little old Australia, and and we're up there. We're giving this a shake. Ross, Ross, I I have to be honest. I think you did miss Canberra point number three, Isaiah. Um, (laughs) I noted that down at the time. You're a professional. <laughs> you are a professional. It's, it's just a lot of pressure, right? Because you've got the whole yeah. production teams there. You've got all the, all your teams around saying, okay, on this point, you need to do this. You need to do that. And, you know, yeah. I'm a young kid and I'm thinking like, if I don't miss that point, have I failed the whole thing? You yeah. know, but it's funny. Like the audience don't really kind of care, I guess, unless you really stuff it up. But, yeah. um, and in the yeah, end, I mean, that performance was overwhelming and what there was a lot to focus on. But nowadays when I'm on stage, like it's, it's easy for me now. Like that's what I mean with time and with, you know, consistency and yeah. um, experience, you just get used to it all. Now, give us how, how old were you when you first went on X Factor? Uh, I was 15. 15. The first when, time, the first time. Yeah. I did, and then I came back the next year. You did a. Was it a Bruno Mars song? That was my first audition, yes. Can um, I say for a 15-year-old, and even now, I reckon you've got one of those voices that's an effortless voice. You know, when you know there's a big note coming or something like that, it just seems to just come out of you naturally. And there's not many singers. Go and watch Frank Sinatra sing some songs on YouTube. Oh, and he was that. one of those singers. You know what I mean? It just... Yeah. It could just come out with New York, New York, and it just, it sort of just was a natural sort of effortless thing. And that's what struck me the other day when I was watching you on your first appearance of X Factor as well. I thought, gee, you know, as a kid, he's really got it. When did, when did you first realize that you could sing and you wanted to sing? Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's your promotional uh, bulletin for next time, Isaiah. Uh, the the <laughs> yeah. modern day Frank Sinatra, uh, and then Slack no, but you know what I mean. It's Julia. it's just it's what just one of those you? like you see some so you see some singers yeah. and they've really got to get it together. But you know, just watching you as a 15 year old doing that Bruno Mars song, it just seemed to be a natural thing for you. And it just resonated from you. Thank it was fantastic. You. I appreciate that. Well, like it, it has been a natural thing for me. I have been singing since, honestly, I, c- I can remember since I started talking is when I started singing. Um, and recently I, my auntie sent me a, a, a recording clip on a cassette. She had to, pl- she had to put it in this old cassette player and then record it on, a, on her phone and send it to me. And it was of me singing when I was three years old and I, don't even remember it at all so it's been yeah a long time since i started and i think the first time i kind of 
I, I kind of realized, you know, that I had a voice and that I actually could sing. Um, you were one of 12 children, weren't you? There were the 12 of you. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, there was, there was 12, but I, but I did only grow up with my dad and my, my brother because yeah. my parents were separated. And so a lot of the time, you know, it was just me in the music room, um, just singing as a young kid because, you know, like, things were going on at home and like I had a dysfunctional family and it was really only what I got to, to help me get through the things that I was going through. So that's why I guess I really connect with music and sing from the heart. Um, so it was your, it was your escape, was it? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. So I mm. think when, I think when I started realizing it's what I wanted to do was when I actually started watching all the talent shows that were on TV and seeing the young, the young singers and, everyone come on it. I was like really genuinely inspired by, by that. And I wanted to do that. And I think, I think around 12 or 13 is when I realized that I could sing well because I went into a competition and I came second, <laughs> uh, like when I was very young and I was like, Oh, like, well, this must be cool. And then I've just always just worked at it and practiced it. And then, yeah, yeah. just ever since I was a kid, just, yeah. And I think, and then I started going down to Melbourne for singing lessons and just broadening, broadening my horizons with doing like local competitions and things around Melbourne. And then I just happened to be, be in the right place at the right time. And I got um, scouted um, to then do the X Factor, which didn't work out for me the first time. But then mm. you know, I came back again and then the rest is history. So, yeah. And and Isaiah, yeah. being being Indigenous Australian, did that sort of did, did that present any hurdles for you did because you know there is some in some parts I mean, of, yeah not really for me um i feel like i grew up in a pretty good um town and community um maybe in hindsight now when i because i've always been a happy-go-lucky kid you know i've never really yep. t- taken life i guess so seriously and i've always just been a very ha- like a positive happy kind of guy ever since i was a kid so Maybe like in hindsight, in high school now, when I look back, maybe there were some things going on that I just was completely oblivious to and naive to. But I think like the real, the real kind of thing with being Indigenous came when I actually was in the industry. Like, and I'm talking about being with my uh, last record label. Like that, that, that's experience for me was the first time I really realized like, Wow, is it really a disadvantage to be indigenous, like in this in this country? So it's only recently. So you, you know, felt there I were feel, you felt there were things that happened that that made you think like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, and that, I mean, I don't know if you've watched the news lately or last year, but yes, um, Sony has yes. gone under this complete rehaul of leadership and stuff because of the this toxic like environment that I was also a part of and that I felt the flack from as well with my with my career um yeah there's and a, i mean there's like, a few, you know, art, like there's a few artists who walked away isn't it that, that walked away from yeah like so toxic because i did as well i did last year yeah um because you know you may like as the audience and the public you look in and you think oh like it must be going great for them like you know they've done this and they've done that and it looks awesome but behind the scenes and and stuff it's a very different story yeah and Yes, it's very political. Yes, there's, you know, favoritism and things going on. But, you know, like, 
I really think, especially after Eurovision, I really thought that like, and it's actually a good topic that we're talking about this. I thought my career would like, like, yes, a lot of great things happened after it, but I really thought like my Eurovision song wasn't even like played on the radio for an example. So, um, wow. There were these things, you know, that were, that were happening that just weren't going with the momentum that I was having. And as a, as a business that, that looks for the spikes in numbers and stuff, I was having a really big spike and I just don't feel like I got really supported enough if it wasn't for my independent management. Did it make you, did it make you reassess if music was for you or? Um, well, when I, when it was all happening kind of when I was young, I was very, you know, I was very naive to everything and I wasn't getting told much because I guess, I want, my managers, I guess, just wanted to protect me and just keep me focused. Um, but in, in hindsight, yeah, like a little, a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think society's changed now to where, you know, it's much more diverse and people are celebrating, um, people's diversity and people of color and, and everything with minorities and embracing all that. So I think it's changed now for sure, but. Yeah, my experience wasn't wasn't all that good, and and I just feel like they didn't know how to really market me. Which is crazy, isn't it, for a company that yeah. size? It's it's quite weird. Because now now like everyone's like, you know, clapping hands and celebrating diversity and yeah. and yeah. and also mm. like Aboriginality and all that. But I it's like I missed the boat. <laughs> it's like I I literally just got out when all this you know the society started changing and yeah. it became like a human and, and, and this is for a, and this is for a kid that's just had exposure to hundreds of millions of people as well exactly so i just thought i just really personally i mean a lot of artists can say oh woe is me and i deserve this and i deserve that but i do definitely think that i think this could have been done very 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 differently mm. and yeah. yeah and i and all i got from my experience with them was that I, they don't know how to market me to an Australian audience. Like, how do they market an Indigenous young guy um, to the Australian public? Um, but now it's like, oh, that's easy because, like, everyone's doing it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, but the thing just, is, that, I mean, it, it, it's definitely one of the things after Eurovision that I really, uh, that I realised um, about what was going on. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, I just wish my Eurovision time was also taken advantage of and, well, yeah, because you, yeah. you had another crack. You had another crack at it. Didn't you? you had another crack at it a couple of years. Yeah, later. I, I went back. You know, I, I knew I, I knew that I wasn't going to get chosen again because you know people want new new artists and new things to experience um, Eurovision. So I, I kind of just went in there just thinking like, you know, I'm I know I'm probably not going to get chosen. Let's just have some fun in the studio, make a good song, just get out there and perform it, and just be a part of the fun really so yeah, yeah. that's that that's what i and but then i thought like if i get it like wow that would be cool and yeah but you know i didn't really expect anything from it and i just wanted to have fun but, with it but, so but, but credit, cool. credit to you mate you you took the opportunity though and and you've since done you since eurovision you've also you've written some books some kids books and stuff like that tell me about that process what what, yes. what sort of led you down that path um well i've all, like when I was in high school, actually, I was studying to be a teacher's aide, like a, 
uh, you know, like a teacher's assistant, like a teacher's aide. Yep. Do you know what that is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, so, like, I've always, I, I, loved, I vaguely I've always remember loved my, the... I vaguely remember my school days, and Julian doesn't because they were like so long ago. But I vaguely remember mine. The teachers' aid are the ones that the kids hate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're the ones that the kids disobey to. Um, no, but I was, I basically, you know, I've, I've always loved um, youth, you know, and and the kids and the education system, and I've always believed in education being you know um, i think that everybody needs yeah a you know, to, life, yeah. to have a great life yeah and especially yeah. being an indigenous person and not seeing a lot of that um, in my communities and a lot of people drop out of school and not get a good education and how that affects your whole life you know it's it's a, something that i'm really passionate about so i've always had that thing with education and wanting to you know, to kind of keep people in school and, and, and show them the importance of education or anything that I can do around the school, you know, and, and in the education kind of yeah. system. So that's what kind of inspired the book that I did. Um, I released a children's book called Come Together, things mm. every Aussie kid should know about the first people. So it's like, a, it's a children's book, but adults have told me that they've learned so much more than they have ever learnt just from reading my book, which <laughs> is like, cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, I kind of wanted that as well. I, I I kind of wrote the book in a way that was that anybody could pick it up and read it, even though it's aimed at kids. Yeah, you, adults can pick it up and learn something as well. So maybe they should. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know education what? Education is a huge passion of mine. So yeah, maybe they should. Uh, and I'm going to put this out there because I know the government's listening. Uh, maybe when they start distributing information this year about the voice, they should also distribute your book. As well, Isaiah, to open some people's eyes into what this is all about, and uh, a bit yeah, of yeah. Well, I've wanted this, like a lot of schools and libraries around around Australia have put it into their into their school yeah. libraries and things like that. So if it can grow to being something that could, that makes real change, that's that's the dream come true. That's what I wanted from this. Yeah. What what is what is more difficult, writing a song or writing a book? Yes. Writing a book, writing a book. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like I didn't even, I was really excited to start the whole process of the book industry and understanding and learning about how it all works from, from coming up with your ideas to talking about where your book gets printed and just, I just wanted to know everything about how it all works. So it was, it was an experience for sure. It was so fun. Yeah. But I, you know, I thought, okay, children's book, this is going to take me. Two weeks. I can do this in two weeks. <laughs> Took me a whole year to do this. Like, just because, I mean, a bit because of my schedule as well, but there's so much, like, back and forth with your editors and, and you know, meetings and writing things and rewriting things and just getting so much information that you can pick and choose from and just write it in the perfect way. It was just like... It blew my mind in in the best way possible. Just just understanding that there is a skill, and then that there is a a way, you know, to write a children's book and to appeal to children. It's not just picking it up and just trying to write to a kid. It's like the flow of things, the the words you use, the phrasing, like how long sentences are. Like, yeah, it was it was a really great experience, but definitely harder than writing a song. So when the record company when the record company comes to you now and they say, "Oh, we need a new album," you'll go, "No problem." 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Stroll yeah. in the park. So, mate, what have you got coming up? Have you got uh, have you got some projects coming up? You got some new music coming up? I have actually also signed a second contract for my second book because the first one was, the first one was very successful, which I'm so happy about. So that's coming up. Um, I've got. And what's the second book about? What's the new one going to be about? We're still work. We're still. We're still finalizing the idea. It's, it's definitely going to be, um, non-fiction, um, yeah. and kind of, we're, we're working it out. Probably like a come together part two, but we're trying to make it a bit different. And because we don't, because the first one was really successful. Yeah. Because it, it was like the only thing, I guess, in its, in its lane. So yeah. we want to make something that also is very unique. Um, that's maybe educational as well, but we're not sure yet. We're not if, sure. If you want to uh, include something in there about going on a podcast or something, you can use assumed names for myself and Julian, uh, <laughs> just to avoid any royalties requirements. Okay. Stuff like that. <laughs> I love that. Um, I've got a book. I've got um, new music coming. I'm, I'm actually dropping two um, covers of two of my favorite songs. Like I haven't, I haven't released music and had a release schedule for a while, and COVID really, you know, stuffed a lot of things up for a lot of people. And yeah. I've been doing stuff in America and uh, like, I just don't want to waste, sit around and waste my time. So I'm just, I've just had a meeting with my, with my team. We're going to be releasing a whole bunch of songs from here until next year. And then a AP slash album next year, yeah. which I'm excited about. So, so who there's are the, lots who, to who are the two songs yeah. you're covering? Which are the two songs you're covering? Um, because I'm ste- because I'm stepping more into the direction and and th- and sound that I've always wanted to do with my music. I'm I'm starting with two covers that I've done really like in my kind of style. It sounds like my kind of. It sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. if I own the song, it would be how it would sound. So there's a song by Brandy. If you guys know Brandy, she's yeah, a yeah, um, absolutely. Um, she's got a song called Have You Ever, which is written by Diane Warren and David Foster. Cool. So that's, that's really a lovely song and I've done it in my own way. So I hope people enjoy that one. And then the next one is a more of a, more of a cool kind of song by Usher and it's called Burn. So those first two songs, I just want to kind of kickstart things, get people to know that I'm releasing music again and just kind of flow it into my originals, um, release more originals until the next, Till the end of the year, and then next year I've got a big project, yeah, that I'm working on with all the stuff that I've been doing in America, and yeah, like I just don't want to sit around and wait for you know things to. You can't really do that in life. You've got to just kind of take the bull by the horns and just do it. So well, that's we we would love to get you back on the uh, the Giblets Gazette next year when you get the uh, the big project up and running, Isaiah. Yeah. If uh, if you if you're interested, I mean, we're, I've yes, really... no, I would love to just just. Send an email well, to that, people uh, and yep. yeah. organise it. But yeah. I, I think listening to you for this chat that we've had today, for a 23-year-old, you sound far mature beyond your years and oh, you obviously you. you've thought of a plan out for your life and your career and it sounds like it's just going to come all together for you. It's been great. Yeah. Actually, I've, got, I've, got one, I've, got, I've got one more Eurovision question for you just because uh, yeah, I'm really interested to know what goes on behind the scenes. Are you allowed to sledge? Is sledging possible? Do you, like, do you, can, you get into the, can you get into the heads of your opponents, Isaiah, like just go up and stand next to them and look them in the eye and just say, you're rubbish or stuff like that? <laughs> 
can you do that? You can if you want to, but that's all on you. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want to. But no, it's, it's, it, from my experience, even in the Australia Decides show, like everyone is just there to have fun yeah. behind the scenes. It's, it's just all about fun. And like, if you really love music and you are a real creative person, you want to share that with people and share that experience. So that's, that's what my experience was. So yeah. no sledging, especially on my behalf anyway. <laughs> And you, and you had no idea what they were saying to you anyway. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're probably swearing at me in like Bulgarian or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Isaiah Firebrace, it's been lovely to, to catch up with you for our special Eurovision uh, podcast. Uh, it's been so interesting that uh, normally our podcasts only go for about 20-odd minutes and we doubled the time with you. So that's a good sign that you had uh, interesting stuff to tell us. All the best, mate, with um, the projects that are coming up. Enjoy Eurovision this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you've yeah. had. Are you are you willing to put a tip out there who you think might win? Will the Brits end the drought? Because you know the the Brits have had such a great career at Euro, as history of Eurovision. You know, with yeah. Brotherhood of Man and Bucks Fizz and stuff like that. Yeah, they always they send they like when I did when it was my year. Like I really loved the the British song, and I think they do bring. They have strong songs, I think. Yeah. Every every year, I just don't. I just don't have a lot of people. I don't know. Because I say, like I, I'm really, I'm obviously I'm rooting for Australia to win because like I met the Voyager guys and they're so cool. Yeah. Um, and I love honestly, I love rock and I love <laughs> I love rock and metal and rock and roll. Yeah. So I love that they've brought that whole new thing. Like that's really, I think, very Eurovision, very cool. But then like I've got my mate also in Cyprus that's that's yep. doing it as well and. I just, yeah, if either of those two win, I'll be happy. But obviously, like, if Australia wins, that's great. And, and fingers crossed we can stay in the comp. Let's yeah, say. the other thing, I, just quickly, the other thing I like about Eurovision is when they cross to all the cities and you've got the local people in the cities. But the voting is one of my favourites. I wish we could have general elections the way they do the voting on Eurovision. Oh, yeah, but Julian, Numbers always, coming in from New South Wales now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Julian, it's always like Sweden always votes for Norway and Denmark and Denmark always yeah. votes. Yeah, everyone votes for their mates, but that's okay. You know, that's what Eurovision is. We can't take it too seriously. All we need are a few more allies in there. Isaiah, thanks so much for your time, mate. Uh, really appreciate it. Good luck with the projects. Enjoy Eurovision. 